All right. Welcome into the Buttered Popcorn Podcast. My good friend I've met off of TikTok, Dan. What's going How's on, it going? How are you doing? Good. Happy to be here. Yeah, dude. So you asked me an intriguing question right beforehand, so let's rip that. Yeah, I'm just curious, like, kind of how you got started, what the process has been like for you, um, how it's been going. I'm pretty new to podcasting in general, so just wanted to hear your take, um, given that you're in it. Yeah, honestly, it started mainly probably because I was annoying my wife with how much I would just talk about movies. And, you know, like, I would, everyone in my life, I just go and talk to movies about, no matter what they've seen, it's always something that comes up. And, you know, I listen to like Rogan and like Raiders of the Lost podcast and everything. And I was like, you know what? Why not just like start recording this, see where I can go with it? Mm-hmm. So I gathered one of my, or a couple of my buddies, uh, one of which I know is a huge movie fanatic, but he's gone on to be on a podcast with former Reds commentators about baseball itself. So I couldn't blame him for leaving. The other one had to step away because he's trying to be a gamer. So then it came to me and I decided to keep running with it. I'm not going to let that stop me. That's awesome, man. It's a lot to take on by yourself, especially after having that support previously. But I think that's really, really cool. Well, yeah, honestly, the biggest like hiccup right now is just finding like reoccurring guests or like just mm-hmm. people I can talk movies with. Because like I feel like if I did it by myself, like it would just better to be a, do a YouTube channel for yeah. rather than posting this. But then, you know, it all comes down to like you make an account with Apple, Amazon, Spotify. Uh, you get all the links, and then through Anchor, you can put all the links. So you'll just hit upload, and it uploads to all of them. The only one I have to go in separately to upload to is YouTube. Okay, gotcha. Yeah. And do you feel like, are, are all of those um, kind of equally user-friendly and, and on the actual, like, streaming end, or what, what are those interfaces like? So Anchor is really cool with that. It'll tell you the analytics and, like, who's watching your podcast most where, like, age group, right. you know, and gender. So um, it seems like my biggest interface has got to be Spotify. Like, gotcha. that's where most of my fan base is. Um, other than that, it looks like Apple and YouTube are the runner-ups. Gotcha. I did yeah, I come from an analytics background, so all that stuff's really interesting to me in terms of the oh, back end. Yeah. I like that stuff a lot. Hell yeah. You're from Philly, so how are you liking Jalen Hurts' stats from last year? He's great, man. He's a... Uh, I think when he got drafted, there was a lot of kind of uncertainty. People were like, why are you taking him second round, this and that, but... Um, it's paid off. He's really incredible. And he's, oh, a, yeah. he's a good dude. Like he's really involved in the community. Um, really smart, just works. Um, you know, I think he's gotten a lot of like sponsorships and stuff in the off season that he's kind of had to deal with. So I'm curious if that'll have any impact on like the beginning of the year, but he's pretty dialed in. I think it'll be fine. So. Oh yeah. I mean, I have him as my number three. So. I, I think that's, that's, do you have Burrow too? Yeah. Okay. That's, I mean, I understand your bias. That's all right. That's all right. It's funny. I'm a 49er fan first, actually. Oh, really? Yeah, so yeah, I cannot so you wait might not to like so much. see you guys this year. Yeah, that's going to be... Uh, I think that game is is in Philly. Um, that's going to be something. Dude, I went, into that, I went into that championship game. I was like, I honestly think we'll lose, but this could be the game of the year. It was, and then it we was, just got ruined with injuries. It was just disappointing. Like, I, I wanted to see a good game, genuinely. Like, I... Nobody wants to watch that. Like, even as an Eagles fan, it was just like, I don't know. It's kind of anticlimactic. Um, but I think I think the game this year will be good. Yeah. I'm oh, very so pumped for that. Trey Lance is just done. Like, Trey Lance is, they're, they're done with him. 
I mean, John Lynch says that he wants to keep rocking with him. Um, but I mean, he's their QB three yeah. right now. Yeah, I've heard already been announced. So I've heard some stuff that they're trying to trade him. People were talking about the Eagles like maybe taking a look to bring him in as a backup because we have Mariota, which like is is not a great ride to go on. I forgot you had Mariota. Yeah, he's been rough in the in the preseason, but for what that's worth. Yeah, I don't know. There's rumor that they'll put together a package and we'll get Kirk Cousins. You don't want that. Yeah, I'm a Kirk Cousins defender, but I think if Brock Purdy plays this season like he did the last eight games last year, we'll be good. Kirk is on that um the, the Netflix quarterback show. Have you watched that? Yeah, I watched like episodes one and two. Okay. Was it did you find it worthwhile at all or no? It's enjoyable. The worst part about it is Mahomes' wife. She's on it a lot. Yeah, she's a, she's a lot. She's a lot. A lot going on there. Yeah, dude, his he would be so much more likable if it wasn't for his family. Yeah, I mean, I still like him and appreciate what he does. I mean, even though he, you know, beat us in the Super Bowl, like I like him. Um, dude, I'm he, the, I'm the Cincinnati guy. Mahomes defender. Like everyone here shits on him just because of how many times the Bengals have played them the last couple of years. Yeah. And, like, people here swear up and down Burrow is better than Mahomes, but it's just not true. Yeah, what's the deal with the – is Burrow okay injury-wise? I know he had, the, he had a calf thing, right? Like He just had a calf strain. So, okay. I, he says he'll be good by week one. Jamar Chase is trying to convince him to stay out to like, week three. But yeah, I feel like that's one of those I, things. Calf injuries can be so finicky, like, and you can just keep tweaking that and tweaking that. Like, it's it can be tough. Yeah, I – I feel like he's still going to come back week one, though. He's got that attitude. Yeah, mindset. I like anyway, that, let's though. get back into movies. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> Sidebacks. Yeah. Um, so if you were to come up with one movie, though, like what made you fall in love with movies? That made you want to like start making content and everything? Which is um, a hard question. So to be honest, I think that kind of happened way before I got into this. So... I I would say my family was really, really into movies. From, from the time I was a kid, um, I kind of got exposed to a lot of different genres, a lot of different films. My dad and my mom um, both had a lot of favorites, so they just kind of showed us everything. Um, I feel like I was watching a lot of movies from the time I was really young, so I kind of got that exposure and got into it um, from a young age. I know some people, I think, kind of come to it later on. They might have a movie that really sparks that um, or gets them inspired, but I've kind of just always it's been a big part of like what I enjoy, how I like to spend my free time. Um, so I think I, I started a little over two months ago in terms of on TikTok, Um, and I really just kind of wanted a creative outlet. And I was thinking about things I'm passionate about, things I enjoy. Um, and movies are something like, kind of like you said, like I'll talk to anyone about, um, any movie. Like I, you know, I'm always interested to know what other people enjoy, um, their opinions on things, even if I like something that they don't, I want to know why, like I have a lot of curiosity around it. And I just felt like um, I wanted to dive into doing something creative that I could, you know, do in my free time that I would enjoy. So um, that's how I got into the TikTok stuff and I've been enjoying it. It's been fun. Um, mostly really positive experiences and met some cool people like yourself. So it's been, it's been good. Yeah. The what film talk you, like, is like kind of great in that sense. Like, I mean, yeah. if, I don't know if you ever reached out to him, but Raiders of the Lost podcast will like we'll go back and forth on like Instagram DMing each other or like movies and stuff. Fourteen, he's got like four hundred thousand followers, but he's still hitting me up. Like, yeah, that's awesome. Like people, like at the end of the day, it's about you know 
the community and and kind of interacting and like you know all of those conversations are great and that's what you know you don't just want to enjoy movies by yourself like you want to share it with people you want to talk about it with people and like get different perspectives and that's it's really really fun so i think it's i've had mostly positive experiences so far yeah i would say the same and then movie for me same thing parents introduced me to so many things yeah but it probably stems my mom had a leukemia when i was growing up she lived she's galga now cancer free like 12 years 13 years um but during that time when she would come home from the hospital because her immune system was so weak we couldn't like do like a lot of activities because she had to be wary about germs so we would be going to the movies all the time wow so it probably stemmed from that but if i had to dial it into one it's pro Coraline is probably up there because only because we saw that like a month before we found out that she was cancer free. Yeah. That just sticks with you emotionally. Like, yeah. Yeah. So that's probably up there. Um, and then the other one, probably goodwill hunting. Yeah. That's my, uh, that's my, from the first time I saw that, it just kind of like really resonated with me. And I, I absolutely like adored Robin Williams. He's like one of my favorite people, um, of all time, really, especially in entertainment. So, that movie I think was really, really special. And like the story behind it, like how that got made. Um, I think there was a lot of passion behind it from like Damon and Affleck and everybody and getting that made in and of itself was such Absolutely. a ask. Like, and it shows. So I, I love it. Well, yeah. And because of uh, kind of their story for that now, after air just came out and they had the success because they brought in some young writers for that there, yeah. or I think it's uh, Affleck is opening a new thing where like, he's going to be accepting scripts from unknown writers since Robin Williams did that for them. Yeah. And that's, that's amazing. And I think especially with where the industry is right now in terms of unwillingness to take risks, like always falling back on nostalgia or existing properties, like no one wants to take a chance on making a new story. So I do really enjoy um, seeing new things, seeing things that are unique, seeing studios take chances on films. And when those films do well, like it's great. Um, so I think that's amazing. I think that's like much needed right now because a lot of that stuff is so stale. Well, yeah, dude. And right now it just seems like we're getting remake after remake. Yeah. Yeah. And a lot of them are terrible. And it's like, yeah, I mean, I still enjoy a lot of them. Yeah. For but sure, I want but... original ideas. Yeah. And you can tell when there's, when there is passion and creativity behind something. And then, which sometimes is true. Like for example, with Maverick, like that was, you, you can't make a better, follow up than that um i loved it i think it's better than the first yeah especially like from a like the first movie is good it's enjoyable but there's it's it's pretty cheesy there's some like silly elements in the story and the script and all that so like it's fun but the second movie is really really sound technically i think so i i would probably agree yeah i also have some personal beef with it i don't know if you knew this but i'm a marine corps veteran and i worked on aircraft Okay. And so what I worked on survival equipment and I worked right by the guys who worked on ejection seats and all of that. So there's some actual Hollywood flaws in there. Like goose would not have died. So give me like one quick example of like what you're talking about. Well, so one with the speed he was going in the jet, when they hit the ejection seat and the canopy starts to open, it would get ripped mm-hmm. off immediately. Yeah. And even on Just the off chance, force, right? Like, Yeah. Yeah, it's not holding on to that. Even on the off chance, it does hold off. Like if they were going slow enough, seats on all jets 
are like higher than your head and they have prongs to shatter the canopy if you were okay. to eject and the canopy was still there. So it's physically not possible. So, for that yeah. Huh. Yeah, it was it was for Hollywood. Yeah. But I understand. I mean, you know, to make the movie drama. Yeah. But yeah, so I have personal beef just because of my inner knowledge. Okay. I mean, that's interesting to know, at least. I mean, it is a fun movie, but that's knowing that kind of technical stuff in the background definitely can be like, eh, you know. Yeah. And I'm sure there's stuff in other movies that people nitpick that have a background in that field that we don't even know about. Yeah. For yeah, sure. So I always ask people usually if they want me to ruin Top Gun for them or not. <laughs> yeah, but that's an example how like you talk to like everyone has some kind of information or personal their own personal background that will impact how they see a movie, and that's kind of a, a cool example of that. Yeah, exactly. You're like well, reason some movies resonate with others more than them. Like yeah. I liked the Covenant a lot from this year, Jake Gyllenhaal's movie, but that was I, not very well critiqued. Yeah, I heard. I heard mixed things, and I feel like, I mean, I feel like as a director, he gets that a lot. Um, that was Guy Ritchie, correct? Yeah. I th- yeah, I feel like he's been kind of hit or miss, and he has, like, a lot of fans and a lot of critics, but I heard I heard mixed things, but I heard, I think, majority positive reviews. So I actually haven't seen it yet, um, but it's on my list. I want to see it very soon. Yeah, I, I enjoyed it a lot, but, I mean, Guy Ritchie's like M. Night Shyamalan. They make great movies or they make real bad movies. Like, Yeah. Yeah. And I think Richie has such a niche in like the like crime gangster movie. Like that is where he thrives. Um, and I think sometimes as he strayed away from that, it's not gone so well. But, um, you know, I, again, I have heard mostly good things. So I'm excited to see the covenant. Yeah. He's almost like a B tier Scorsese. Yeah. That's, a, that's, I think that's a pretty fair take. Like I, I like that. Yeah. All right. Um, who's your favorite actor? Like, who's the one actor you will always see, whatever they are in? That's very tough. I feel like there's a lot of people kind of on the same level. Um, I love Christian Bale. I mean, I think that's it's a simple answer, but he doesn't miss very often. And I think even some of the films that aren't as good, like he is never phoning it in. And um i think there's kind of a line of like being dedicated to the craft without being like overly pretentious and like making other people around you feel weird or like being miserable to be around i think he is able to act really effectively and be dedicated without kind of like going over that line um yeah i get that people hate the take that i say he's a top three actor of all time i think he already is if you go back and that's ranking actors like that is something i haven't attempted to do yet that would take i feel like that will take me a lot it's of time so hard. yeah um there's just so many factors to consider and at the end of the day like it's it's really personal it's like what movies resonate with you what performances resonate with you um but yeah i mean i think he's incredible so yeah i'd say mine's jake gyllenhaal yeah it's jake's unbelievable he doesn't have an oscar yet yeah i <laughs> No, a, a movie I I really enjoy is um is Zodiac, and I don't think any of any of them won Oscars for that movie. Like it was Downey, Gyllenhaal, and um, Mark Ruffalo, but those performances are all so good, and I, I really like that movie a lot. But um, I think he's really talented, Gyllenhaal. Yeah, I think if he got one for anything, it should have been Nightcrawler. Yeah, 
But Prisoners yeah, I mean, is one of my favorite movies of all time. Yeah. Like, he was amazing in that. Yeah, and Nightcrawler, in terms of just, like, a performance riding on one individual, like, that's always really impressive to me. Or like, a movie riding on one performance. Um, and that, it's a, it's a crazy performance. It's really, really good. Yeah, I mean, there's, I feel like there's few actors that can do it. I mean, Bale, obviously, being one in Psycho. You could... I mean, there's a lot of people in it, but you can make the argument for Killian Murphy and Oppenheimer, obviously. Yeah, I mean, the, that performance had to be perfect, essentially, um, just because of the sheer amount of screen time. And I think with Killian, like, it's... His ability to portray, like, emotion, like, the way he uses his face, like, all his facial expressions, um, the way he says, chooses to say things, like, everything he says has so much intention, I feel like, um, and the way it's being delivered is really effective. He's just, he's a really, really talented guy, um, and I'm glad oh, yeah. he got did you watch, uh, Did you watch Peaky Blinders? Yeah, yeah, I'm a big, big fan. Um, Dude, I love it. I can't wait for the movie. I know. What's, do you know off the top of your head, like the time frame for that or what? Most recent I saw was they're shooting or they're going to aim to start filming, I think spring of next year and hopefully have it out spring of 25. Okay. Yeah. That's a long time. I mean, it always goes by fast. So like, I feel like it, I always hear about movies and then you kind of blink and they're there. Um, yeah. I mean, dude, that's how I feel with Marvel, but I mean, I'm losing so much anticipation for Marvel projects anymore. Yeah. It's, it's tough, and that that didn't happen overnight. Like, it's cool how that kind of happened over like a fairly long period of time, but we kind of got accustomed to a lower quality of movie, I think. And now it's just you've lost that excitement, that anticipation. Like, I used to be, and all my friends used to be so excited to go see everything as soon as it came out. Now it's just oh, like absolutely, I don't feel that. Um, and I'm I'm pretty excited for DC now that guns over there. Um, I think DC probably has, in my opinion, superior characters and more potential. So I'm excited. I'm to see on the what same page, but yeah. at the same time, like DC has killed their fan base with like just everything that's happened the last decade. They're like yeah. Blue Beetle's been a disappointment in the box office because people know they can see it on Max in 30 days. So I even go to the theater. Yeah, and I think a lot of things have become, and I think this is one of the negative elements of what happened to Marvel is everything has become so reliant on tying into like a massive story and having this huge impact um, and big high stakes. So I think it's tough to sell a movie like that because to my knowledge, it doesn't, I don't, that's not being carried over into guns like universe. I don't think. Um, and it's just kind of, it's, it's standalone story. So I think it's sometimes tougher to sell people on that, especially when, you know, it's expensive to go to the movie theater and, People can just sit at home and watch it. So I don't know. I think it's it's tough when it doesn't tie in like that. Yeah. No, that's 100% true. I don't know. And without having Cavill there, we'll see how his Superman movie turns out. Yeah. Because, I mean, there's a lot of Cavill fans out there that probably will boycott seeing it. Yeah. that the way, I mean, that's that could be a an entire conversation on itself, but the way that was all handled was so bad. And like, I feel like there's a lot of back and forth now with Gal Gadot. Um, and she's saying one thing, they're saying another thing. Like, it's a very, it's just a messy situation. Like, I don't yeah, know. It, it's so hard to report on movie news for DC. Yeah. Cause you'll post a video and the next day you got to change it. <laughs> yeah. 
yeah and it makes you want like there's just so much disorganization and like poor communication and it, it it makes you wonder like how these people keep their jobs like at a high level it's it's kind of concerning yeah absolutely all right my final question for you before we kick off our tarantino ranking is what's your dream director actor duo Director, actor, duo. Um, I don't know. There's so many good ones. I think, I think Tom Hanks and Spielberg are great. Um, and I'm, I'm not. It's funny because I'm actually not a big Tom Hanks guy. I don't really think he's that interesting or engaging a lot of the time. But I think Spielberg's been able to bring greatness out of him a lot, and um, I appreciate that. Like, I appreciate when a director can amplify what an actor does well and allow them to do that. I think it's um, similar to like a coach on like an NFL team. Like the best coaches are the ones that identify what someone's good at. This is what Belichick did for forever. He finds people that are good at one thing and yeah. he says, do that. And he doesn't try to make them do what they can't do. Or, he just let them be what they are. Yeah. Like McCarthy with Tua. Yeah. Yeah. But, just identifying strength and, and letting that happen. I'm happy with what you said, though, because I do think Tom Hanks gets overrated a lot. Yeah, I think he's, he's, I think so he's good in what like, he does. Yeah. But it's, and, like, it's he's one of the all-time classics, but... And I have beef with Forrest Gump. Like, I can't tell if it should be two hours longer or, like, 30 <laughs> minutes shorter and you cut out, like, storylines. Yeah, I'm not a big... Not a big Forrest Gump guy. Not a big Castaway guy. Um, but... You know, he obviously has had a lot of great moments in his career, so. Yeah. Dude, mine, and it won't happen, is Tarantino and Joaquin Phoenix. That would be, I feel like just seeing their personalities kind of intertwine and clash would be, I wonder how they would get along. Um, but I feel like if they did, it could be really, really good. That's interesting. Yeah, and I, I feel like Joaquin with a Tarantino script in hand would just be killer. Yeah, but Tarant, I don't know. I'm sure you have, but Tarantino says next movie, the film critic is going to be his last movie, so yeah. we won't yeah, see I, it. I was, I was reading a bit about that, and kind of had I, I wasn't feeling too excited with what I was reading, but I'm sure it'll be interesting. Um, if that is his last film, I just kind of wish it had been something different. I don't know if you feel the same. Yeah, I agree. Um, I, there was a rumor that went around for a bit that it was going to be his first PG-13 movie. That's kind of shocking considering like the thematic. I don't think it will be knowing Tarantino. Yeah. Like, no, I don't think it will be either. Cause I mean, dude, like once upon a time in Hollywood is most recent and he might be the only director right now with how society is that could get away with like the brutal killings in his movies. Like at the very end when Brad Pitt's like beating her face in with a dog food can. Like, yeah. He, he's kind of grandfathered into that. Yeah. And like the way, I mean, this is a whole conversation again, but the way he uses violence is like, it's almost, it's almost like tongue in cheek. Like it's never, it never feels quite real. Um, but it is at the same time, so violent and disturbing a lot of the time, but it's, it just feels different than violence in a lot of other movies. It's very unique, I think. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't know why, but I think it's one of the things that draws me to is like how over the top it is sometimes yeah. too. Um, yeah. but he's my favorite director of all time. Yeah. I think he's up there for me. Um, and for a lot of people, like I think his movies are just kind of synonymous with 
movies in and of themselves, like as a entity, like over the last 25 years, um, 30 years. So I think his movies just feel really accessible. They're all interesting. They've been funny. They've been heartfelt. Like he's done it all. Um, and he's established himself as someone like when he puts out a movie, you go see it. So. Oh yeah. And I think he's one of like the few directors ever to not have a single miss. Yeah. I mean, yeah. And I think I was back when I was making my video ranking his movies, I was really thinking about it. And, um, I mean, I don't, I don't really like death proof very much. Um, but outside of that, there's a lot of merit in everything and it's, it is, it makes it tough to rank. Um, but I also like it because someone could tell me their ranking that's totally different. And I'm not like, I can see it. Like I can understand it. Um, I don't feel like it's cut and dried. Oh yeah. Well, from what you just said, our ranking is different already. Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure it is for a couple reasons, <laughs> but I'm excited to get into it. So, is that you telling me your number ten is Death Proof? Yeah, it's number ten, and I, it's not really close for me. Um, I think there's like, for me personally, there's a, a pretty good step up to number nine. So, okay. I mean, I still enjoyed it. Um, I think Kurt Russell played a great villain in it. I agree with that. Uh, the one of my biggest takeaways though that I didn't like about it at all was the ending. Like, just how all the girls are beating the shit out of him, and then it just cuts. Yeah, it's it's strange. I I think there is... The character is great. Like, I, I like Kurt Russell. Um, I think the whole kind of, like, grindhouse feel and genre... Like, I'm not into that, really. It doesn't do much for me. Um, so I think that's kind of, like, the disconnect for me, just going into it. But uh, a lot of the stunt work's really cool. Um, I think it's... A, Zoe Bell, she's doing like all her own stunts. Um, yeah, well, the and then chase. the like fun, the scene where she's on the hood of the car. Yeah, like that's all real. Yeah, which is so ridiculous I, to think about filming. Yeah, and I can definitely, I definitely appreciate it for that. But I feel like, in terms of character development, in terms of complex stories, like all the other movies for me have so much more to offer there. Um, in addition to the action and that kind of intrigue, so that's why it kind of lags behind. I get that. I get that completely. Uh, do you still do a five-star scale, or how do you rate your movies? Um, that's something I'm kind of figuring out. Like, I, I kind of want to get into um, something that I make my own in terms of how I rate movies, and I kind of want to incorporate that into each of my reviews, but I'm still kind of honestly figuring that out. Like, I'm only about two months in. So. I like that. Um, I don't want to slap something on them in that way, but to me, it's just kind of an average watch. Um, not, I'm not saying it's bad, but it's not something I seek out. Yeah. Well, you've almost said a thousand followers in two months. Um, a, like a, a week over that or so, but I, I've you, just tried to, thank you. Thank you. Um, I've just tried to be consistent and, um, find people I think are interesting and engage with them and just yeah. kind of really put myself into it. It's funny. I actually grew to a thousand on my page off of three D printing, and then really? I just yeah. And then I decided to kind of shift ways at like twelve hundred followers, and I moved into like movies. Okay, so what was it like? Did you have one video that went really big, or like how did that how did that go at the beginning? No, not really. I didn't have a, anything go like viral for a while. Like so, 
I think my most views I ever got was like 20,000. Um, and that was on movies I recommend to girls to watch with your like boyfriend or significant other. And it was all Ryan Reynolds movies. <laughs> okay. Um, and then, but that was at like maybe 2000 followers. And then I was at like, I was stuck at like 3,400 or like 3,500 for a while. And then back in April, I posted what's pinned at the top that like star Wars picture mm-hmm. thing like um the chronological way to watch them like it wasn't even my take on anything it was just a chronological way to watch star wars and organically it shot up to, i think it's at like 2.8 million views now and from that i gained like crazy amounts of followers and it just started kicking off from there so yeah. now i'm sitting right around i think 5500 5400 nice yeah and i think things like that like are great because you might like you might be like oh i'm not even giving an opinion but like you're giving people something that they can say, Oh, this is cool. Like I want to try this. Like I want to have this experience um, where they might've been wondering about like, what is the actual way to watch these? And I think like providing value in that way is really important. Um, And it's fun. I think it can be, it can feel not as satisfying, like when you're not giving an opinion, but at the same time, like you are providing value to someone and it's something that they enjoy. So you said it exactly. Like I was like, I feel like I'm not doing anything here to like benefit me. And I had posted it at like 11 o'clock at night and just went to bed, like thinking nothing of it. Yeah. And it was funny because like I probably could have posted it like two weeks prior to when I did, but I was just getting so lazy editing the picture so much. And then so I finally just posted it, went to bed, woke up and it was at like 400,000 views. And like all these comments were like, I've been wanting to do this for such a long time or like, you know, it's like, thanks for this. But then like other people were like, oh, you don't have to watch the sequel trilogy at all. Like just throw them away. Yeah, I mean, some people just want to bring bring negativity and argue and just poo-poo something that other people are enjoying. It's just like, that's how it goes. Um, I don't really get that mindset, but it's out there for sure. And then there was one guy on there. um, He had commented on my video and he was like, hey, man, like, I know the pictures are different, but you just completely stole my idea. Can you give me credit? And I, would, I have never seen this guy's thing before at all. And I went to his page and sure enough, he posted almost the exact same thing, words, hashtags, everything. But that's he the posted thing, like, it like a week prior. It looked like I ripped him off hard and I'm like, I never did. <laughs> yeah. I mean, when you're, that's the downside when you're dealing with an app that has billions of people, like you're not, none of us are really making things that haven't been said before, but like, we're still doing things that like, it doesn't mean you rip something off, but everything is going to probably out there. Like everything I've ever said, someone else has said, I, I feel. Yeah, exactly. Um, uh, you know, we're, I don't think I'm reinventing the wheel, but that doesn't, it is what it is. Like it's, it's the nature of the app. So. Yeah. I'm like, I mean, dude, I did a stupid like bracket filter the other day, but I saw it from one of the guys you actually tagged Jeremiah. And I like, shouted him out in the comments like if i know like i saw someone else do this first i'm gonna give you the credit like i'm not that guy yeah but that guy was I, mad i think he blocked me <laughs> yeah i think that's um yeah that's a cool thing to do like tagging in someone like i saw um i think on monday i want to say on monday i saw um the thing about how sunday is national cinema day so it's like four dollar tickets and sin spidey had um posted a video about it so i just tagged him and said that he brought this to my attention um, and I'm still like, I'm going to share that to people that won't see what he posted. Um, but I, yeah, I feel like as long as you're acknowledging it's, it's cool. Um, 
And we both want people to know that. Know. So. My whole mindset, and I blame the military for this, but like, it's probably is one team, one fight, you know, like we're all trying to make a name for ourselves or just trying to post our, you know, comments on movies on TikTok. Like, it's not like we're on the political side of TikTok where it's, you know, the left versus the right. It's, yeah. hey, we all love movies. Like, let's grow together. Yeah. Yeah. And I think like if we, you know, if something we post can inspire someone to watch one movie that they might enjoy like that's great like that's something they'll remember they'll talk to other people about like they might really really enjoy so i think it's fun like getting to just share you know things that make us happy and things that you know brighten our day or make us think or whatever it's it's a lot of fun yeah exactly all right let's get back on track we keep getting off <laughs> yeah uh my number 10 jackie brown okay so why <laughs> I don't know. I just something about it didn't resonate with me. And then I think my biggest thing is I hate the wasted potential of Robert De Niro with him just being a stoner trying to sleep with Samuel L. Jackson's girlfriend. Like one, I thought the story arc was dumb and just kind of boring. And also he's one of the greatest actors to ever live. And that's the role you write for him. I see where you're coming from. I think it's it's an interesting role. Um, he does he adds something. I think every moment he's on the screen, but being kind of given so little to do and say, I feel like as I was watching the film, like every time I watch it, I kind of am waiting for him to do more and like waiting for him to be more involved and have more to say. Um, so I understand where you're coming from, but I do like I do still just enjoy him being there. I think it's fun, um, and it's I kind of like that it kind of goes against your expectations in that way. Um, but I get what Which you're I saying. Can see. I will say this is the only one on this list I've seen one time ever. Okay. Which I think it's also my most recent one. Well, I shouldn't say that because I watched Eightful Eight last night. But recent new watch, I think I watched this in April. So maybe upon rewatch, it'll definitely move up, but we'll see. But I know first time watch, it just, it didn't land for me. That's fair. Um, it's in a very different spot on my list, but I, I respect it. All right. Hit me with your nine. Okay. So at nine, I have Kill Bill Volume 2. Um, do you, I guess something I would ask for you that is like, my soul. Do you break, do you break these up when you're ranking this? Something I saw a lot of people saying is like, oh, it's one movie. Like I break them up. Um, I also break them up, but I mean, yes, to according to Tarantino, it's, a one it's one movie mm -hmm. but he only did it or i think he said it was harvey weinstein's idea was that he yep. did it in two just because you know he wanted to keep everything in i will say like that's something that pains me like with miramax's involvement with so many of these like seeing harvey weinstein plastered over a lot of these is like so rough i feel like um but it, it just is the nature of what it is, but it's just kind of rough to, to see sometimes. Yeah. Um, but that's a whole nother conversation. Dude, that hurts uh, but, my soul. Yeah. Number nine. Yeah. I, and the thing is, I enjoy it um, to be very, very clear. Like to me, it's a really good movie. I think when I watch it, I find myself feeling like there's large patches of time where there just isn't much happening and not in the way that it is in some other movies where there's like, I feel like there's patches of this. You can just skip through 
um, and don't really miss anything. And I still, I like it visually. Um, I hear what I you're saying her, on that. Yeah, like I, I love her story. It feels like they had a certain amount left over that they had to stretch into another film. And it feels a little stretched in that way to me. Um, but there's still great moments. I love like her training montage. Um, I also think all like all the fights are really cool, but I think there's just so much more action in the first one. And it's so much more, I feel like action oriented. It's just, it's very different tonally. Um, I do think the performances are still great, but it's just a very different feel. And that's why when people say like, you have to rank these together to me, these are two very distinct movies, different tone, um, different pace, different, totally, totally different vibe. So I Absolutely. have no problem breaking them up. I'm a sucker for backstories, though. So her whole training montage, like, and where she yeah. learns how to fight, I, like, I think that's what pulls me into this movie so much. And it's, like, the same with, like, Back to the Future 2. Like, I love how they go back to back, <laughs> like, back to where they already were. And, like, seeing the behind of that, like, I love that part of it. I don't know what it is about that in movies, but it will always hook me in. And it's, it's funny you say that because that's another movie I don't I don't love. Um, I think it's the weakest, but, again, another really? I think yeah. number three is the weakest, but merely for the ending. Just because I hate the fact that Doc Brown came back because even then, in the beginning of the movie, he says there's no way to build a time machine with the technology we have. So yeah. I think it would have been a more poetic ending if he stayed in the 1800s. And then I might have three over two. Yeah, I think that's fair. Um, I think sometimes those type of endings can be more effective. Like going for that emotional punch can be more effective. But I think it's sometimes safer to have it just be like, oh, everything's okay. But um, I sometimes enjoy that that little punchier ending. Um, another thing I wanted to say really quick about volume two is the way um, Bud dies, the with the with the snake and all like that, that to me wasn't satisfying. Like I wanted to see her finish him off, um, and I guess that kind of like subverted expectations. But that to me was kind of a letdown because you he's really despicable, um, and I kind of wanted to see him get dealt with. That's fair. I don't know. I I really liked it, especially with the whole like Black Mamba tie-in and everything. Yeah. That's fair. Um, no, I can definitely see. And I think I'm one of the few people that like two better than one. Now, it, that's a personal liking. Critically wise, one's better. Okay. So like, I have this list in like critic. Like, if it was by personal favorites, then it would be a vastly different list. Okay. Got you. Yeah. So what do you, have, what do you have at nine? Yeah. So my number nine, which this has to be his most controversial movie because people have it at the bottom or the top, is Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Okay. And again, I think that I don't, works. I don't dislike any of these movies, mm-hmm. but I, I think the highlight of this movie has got to be Brad Pitt. Mm-hmm. Every time he's on screen, I love it and it's fantastic. But other than that, I think the Leo scenes can be a little slow or just drag on. Uh, but the weird critic take on this is like people are upset at how little Margot Robbie speaks mm-hmm. and like everyone was like calling Tarantino sexist when it first came out but yeah yeah I mean there isn't really much in terms of I mean I think there's a there's a lot you can dive into like 
women's roles in Tarantino's movies a whole. That's almost a video itself. Um, but yeah, there's it's it's a re- definitely a man dominated film for sure. Yeah, but I don't think you can call Tarantino sexist when he has three female-led movies. Yeah, no, I definitely no, four. Four. <laughs> I definitely wouldn't label that at all. Um, and I think the movie knows what it is. Um, it's about Leo and Brad, and I, I think that kind of just is what it is at a certain point. Yeah, and I still enjoy the hell out of this movie. Um, and one of the reasons that Margot didn't talk as much either was Sharon Tate's sister that's still alive, or she was at least when the movie was being made. I, I don't know if she still is. Um, was saying that like she really enjoyed it because it kind of took the focus away from Sharon Tate's character and just showed her as kind of happy and describes how she was without you know having to have too much there. Yeah, I think it's difficult using something real like that that was so awful and like so emotionally impactful. And I think a lot of people I've talked to a lot of people that have a gripe about the ending and that just in that it changed history and this and that to me, that was satisfying to see. Like I didn't want to see something awful happen to her. Like that was terrible, obviously. And like seeing some like justice carried out there and seeing those guys get dealt with was awesome to me. Um, but you know, I can't speak on the position of like her family member or what it would feel like watching that movie you know, with some kind of personal relationship to what happened. Yeah. And that's back to the same stupid critique is like sexist. Like if people are upset about him changing the ending, then they probably hate inglorious bastards too. Yeah. Yeah. And people, people complain about that as well. It's, it's the same thing. And I'm like, it's, it's a movie. Like it's supposed to be inglorious bastards supposed to be fun. Like it's, it's enjoyable. It's satisfying to watch that happen. So I, yeah, I think that's a, a little bit of a nitpick for me. Yeah, pe- people just get done with their critiques sometimes. Yeah, yeah, and you know that's just a perspective that I have a hard time sharing. I think I try to, you know, see most things from other people's perspective. Perspective, but that's one that I struggle with. All right, hit me with your number seven. Um, so I, I think I we just talked Death Proof and Volume Two, right? I think I'm at eight. Or oh yeah, eight. So at eight, I have the hateful eight. Um, I like it. I like it a lot. Again, this is really tough. A lot of these are really close. Um, eight and seven to me are almost interchangeable. What I like about this is, I mean, it's it's a play. It's a play that you're getting to watch. Um, I feel like the setting is so cool. The way it's so confined. You have these characters that are like so different. I think all of the, you know, the tension between the north and the south. Um, the individual performances here have to be so good and they are, um, I like the dialogue. I like how snappy it is. Um, and I think to me, it almost has like a, like a clue or like, um, knives out feel where it's like, it's kind of like a mystery unfolding. Um, you're not really sure what's going on in terms of like the characters relationships and what's going to happen. But I do like all that. I think, if it had been a little shorter, it would be way higher. I think there's moments that are just unnecessary. I think there's shots that just kind of sit there for not too much of a reason. Um, and I think, especially in today's world where everyone has such a short attention span, I think if he had just cut it down, people would like it a lot more. But at the same time, like I've thought about moving this up a good bit. Like 
I go back and forth on it frequently. And if we talked in a month, I might feel differently. So um, I have it at eight. Still like it. I mean, I feel like this is the one that gets like bounced around more than any other on this list for Tarantino rankings. Yeah. Like people don't know where to put it. Have you watched the extended version? No, have not. What's what are the main extended? How 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 extended? Well, it kind of adds on to what you just said though. Like they add in longer shots that aren't needed, but cinematically they're just gorgeous. Like in yeah, the very beginning, right after he picks up Samuel L. Jackson's character, there's like a two minute scene where it's just music and it shows the horses running through the snow in the mountains. Like it's gorgeous, but really I don't think the extended cut was needed. I don't think it adds too crazy amount to it and it takes four hours and 56 minutes to watch the entire extended cut like nobody has that time like i would make i would, Dude, I would it's like scorsese's new movie yeah it's like three and a half i'm i'm excited for it but that that's oh, scorsese's new movie is four and a half hours four and a half it's like four and a half or like four fifteen. Oh my god and like the thing is i mean I don't mind long movies. Like I'll watch basically anything if it's from a director I like or has an actor I like. Like I'm not too picky in terms of length. Um, but for the large majority of people, I think that's a huge turnoff today. Um, which I which is a shame. But people also just don't don't have the time or attention span. I think a lot of the time. Oh, I, I absolutely agree. Uh, the one nice part about the extended cut is they made it episodes. Or okay. chapters if you ask tarantino but so i mean you could watch like one 56 minute portion and then like come back to Big it break, like the next yeah. day or later on also i'm realizing now i was completely wrong you were right it's three hours 26 minutes for killers of the flower moon i don't know where i got four hour four and a half hours and when you said that i wonder i was thinking maybe there's some kind of other version of that or something like that that maybe that might exist but yeah even three and a half hours is just so it's it's long, and I think a lot of people hated that about The Irishman, how long it was. But I, I like that movie. Um, yeah, but the classic quote, you know, no good movie is too long, no bad movie is too short. Like, yeah. I mean, to some, Oppenheimer was too long, but I mean, that movie was unbelievable. Yeah, yeah, that was special. I, I almost, I almost felt like the last forty five minutes to an hour could have been built into a movie of its own, but. I think that would have been tough to sell. Like I would watch it, but it wouldn't have the same appeal. Um, and it was still a really important piece of the story. So I'm, I'm glad it was there, but I think that was the only part that felt a little like they were just trying to get through it and tell the story. Um, but again, it was necessary. I think. Yeah. And it's kind of crazy to think too, that Barbie helped sell some Oppenheimer tickets. Yeah, like just with the whole Barbenheimer thing going on. Yeah, it was it was a lot of fun. Um, and you know, again, I feel like there was a lot of there was a lot of negative, so much negativity around both of the movies, which is a shame, but overwhelming positivity as well. Um, and Absolutely. it was just exciting and fun, so it was it was good to see. The only people that didn't like Barbie were like hard, hard political right dudes. It had to be. Yeah. 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 And I mean, it's, I feel like seeing a lot of the criticism, I'm like, either A, you didn't watch the movie. A lot of people I've heard talk about it. And I, I will say the same thing about Oppenheimer. People that talk about both those movies negatively talk like they haven't seen it. 
And it makes me wonder, like, did you actually watch this? Because it seems like with both of them, like, you missed a lot of the main points that are, like, fairly obvious. So that was confusing to me. Um, or I feel like they did watch it, but they went in with a mindset and told themselves, like, I'm not going to think differently about this. I know what I think about this movie. It's already a preconceived notion in my head, and it's not going to change. And that's just, like, not a good way to go into everything. Or there's the people just clout chasing on you know, the internet. Contrarian, yeah. Yeah. Which, like, you know, you can do that, but if it's not how you actually feel, it's just, like, cheapening yourself. Like, I have, I definitely have a couple views on movies that aren't popular, probably views, but, like, they're my genuine feelings, and, like, I'll speak on them and talk about them, Um, but nothing is, like, ever being said just for effect. Like, I'm not going to say something I don't believe. Um, Yeah, I I never say stuff for the comment section. No, I also don't. I don't enjoy dealing with negative com- like comments. That's not fun. So it'll happen. Still, if you oh, want yeah. to avoid that, avoid Star Wars. <laughs> yeah, I haven't really gone too much into Star. Wars. I made a video about Rogue One because I love Rogue One, but that's about it, I think, so far. Oh, there's people who are mad at me on a recent post I made on TikTok about my top five Star Wars everything, and I have Rogue One as my number two movie. Because I think Empire is the best, and I think Rogue Two is or Rogue One is number two, and people are like, "There's no way Rogue One is ahead of Revenge of the Sith and The New Hope," and I'm like, "It absolutely is." Yeah, like I, I don't even I don't even feel like that's like a crazy take. Like I'm I'm with you. Um, yeah, if I could, watch it shouldn't one, be a crazy take. Yeah, no. If I could watch one Star Wars movie for the rest of my life, like there's a chance it would be Rogue One for me personally. Um, and I, I guess that's also for just partially me, it's like... probably still Revenge of the Sith. Okay. <laughs> that movie... I uh, adore that movie. I go back and forth on it. Um, oh, it has plenty of flaws. I'm not saying yeah. it doesn't. But there's a lot of cool stuff there. And there's a lot of interesting... Yeah. Um, I think in the prequels, there's Attack of the Clones is just rough. But I, I like... Um, I like Phantom Menace a bit, and I like Revenge of the Sith. So, yeah, and I would I would All prefer right, to so... watch the new ones. I mean, personally, so oh, absolutely, absolutely. Number seven's enjoyable, but eight and nine are just dumpster yeah. fires. Yep. All right, so what does that put me on? Seven or eight? Year seven. Year seven. Yeah. All right. I so my number right. seven is yeah. Yeah, my number seven is death. Death proof. Okay. So still to the, towards the bottom of the list, but I still found a lot of enjoyment out of it. Okay. Um, I just lost all train of thought. Uh but I yeah, mean, I, like I like the we begin- did we got into it a good bit, so I feel like it's it's pretty yeah, straightforward. Like I liked all the beginning scenes. Well. Like, yeah, I like. I don't know why, um, but one of the scenes, well, it resonates with everyone doesn't resonate it sticks with everyone but i think it's one of the cooler death scenes i've ever seen was the car crash and how it went back and showed the car crash four times in a row showing how every single girl like died yeah to me like i thought that was (laughs) i struggle like seeing that i'm just like this feels gratuitous to me but i understand also like the genre and like what those movies are supposed to be like and it that is, it is what it is. Um, just to me, like that's, it's not the easiest or most fun watch. But 
I I understand. Or it's not at all. Something. Yeah. It's just a unique way for me, and like it, it's very Tarantino for how they died. Yeah, yeah, I agree. All right, so what is this? Your number six. Um, this is my this is my seven. So man, I am off today. <laughs> no, you're good, man. You're good. It's a lot of movies to go through. Um, my number seven is Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. I okay, and I think. Similar to kind of when you were talking about like the extended cut of Hateful Eight, like I like the way this movie feels. Like I like just looking at this movie. Um, I I went and saw this on like a Sunday morning by myself. There was no one in the theater, and just like hung out and enjoyed it. Um, I think they could have again if they had cut this down and made it a little punchier. I think it could have been really popular, um, but. To me, this is just Tarantino doing what he wants, telling a story that he wants to tell. Um, and I think he does it really well. Brad Pitt and Leo's chemistry is a lot of fun. Um, Absolutely. Very, like, buddy cop feeling. And I, I like both those characters so much. Like, they're so fun. Um, Tarantino thinks this is his masterpiece. Yeah, I've read that. Um, and, like, you can tell, like watching it you can tell that he thinks that like and that's what i enjoy like he it seems like he's having a lot of fun he's doing what he wants and i appreciate that because i like him a lot um it's definitely not perfect and a lot of stuff could be cut out um if this was shorter i think it would be higher on my list by a couple spots so that's yeah, how i can I definitely i could definitely see that for me too yeah, I don't think Tarantino has made a single perfect movie, but I do have one rated a 9.9 out of 10. Okay. I can guess what it might be. Also, do you, when you're rating movies, like, do you do, you do a decimal out of 10 system or? Yeah. Okay, gotcha. So, like, so far, Jackie Brown right now is sitting at a 5.6 out of 10 for me. I, like I said, I need to rewatch that one because I yeah, really don't think you can get a true score on a movie until you've watched it twice or three times. Yeah, I agree. Like I, I've never given a movie a ten out of ten on the first watch. I never will. And there's only five I've ever given a ten out of ten. Can I ask quick, like quickly, what they are? Uh, it's Empire Strikes Back. Uh, Life is beautiful. Have you seen that one yet? Have not. So that's when you should definitely check out. It's sad as fuck. Okay. Um, but it's an Italian movie. Um, and pretty much the premise is this Jewish guy owns a bookshop and then the where World War II is kicking off and he's trying to convince his son that a concentration camp is a big game of hide and go seek. Okay. That sounds tough. Yeah, it's going to rip your heart out. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the Godfather. Okay. And um, Back to the Future is on there. I feel like I'm missing one. Good Will Hunting. If... Now I have that in a nine point eight. But that's like your that's it's... like your emotional favorite. Yeah. Okay. Oh, gotcha. Jaws is the other one. Jaws is okay. a ten out of ten for me. Yeah, I think that's that's fair. I think it's it's pretty much perfect for what it's trying to do. Yeah, Tarantino says he thinks it's the best movie ever made. Huh. Did not know that. That's a fun fact. Yeah, there there was some interview where they asked like Scorsese, uh, Tarantino, Nolan, all these guys, all these big directors, what they think the 
10 best movies of all time were. And I think it was Jaws and The Godfather were the only repeating ones on all of their lists. I love hearing both directors and actors like talk about their favorite films, their favorite genre, like diving into that and just getting in their mind and like seeing their influences, seeing like what they enjoy, even if like there's some movies on there that that guys will talk about or women will talk about that might not even be considered great, but knowing they enjoy it is just really fun to me. So, well, yeah, that's why I love the Letterboxd TikTok account for all their interviews they do, like on the red carpet. They always ask actors and actresses what their four favorite movies are. Yeah, I yeah, love fun, those bits. Fun to see. Yeah, absolutely. All right, so next up for me is oh no, I didn't even go through my so once upon a time in Hollywood. I have a six point four out of ten. Okay. Uh, let me take a pretty big jump to Death Proof 7.2, Reservoir Dogs 7.9 out of 10. Okay. So Reservoir Dogs is your six, correct? Okay. Yeah. Gotcha. That sounds yeah. right. Uh, but yeah, I, now I'm also on the side though, that I think Reservoir Dogs gets overhyped a lot that people have it as Tarantino's best. Yeah. I mean, there's far and few directors that have had such an amazing first movie ever. Yep. So he does have that going for him, which is funny. Did you know that he uh, wrote the script for True Romance and sold it in order to make this movie? I did not know that. Yeah, he was working at some video store. Yep. Wrote the script, sold it, wrote the script for Reservoir Dogs. And then he had someone offer him like, 30,000 to make it. So he was going to make it on like some shitty camera and like a garage, like a car garage that he was going to rent out. And his buddy at the video store was like, I'll give you a hundred dollars and you give me three months to see if I can get a studio to pick this up. And then if not, we'll do it your way. So Tarantino gave him the three months and then he came or some studio offered them 600,000 to make it ended up not making it. And then I think it was Miramax offered them like 1.2 million or something to make it so that's wild yeah now i mean reservoir dogs though i still enjoy uh the torture scene in this i feel like was severely overhyped for me though like you went into it thinking this it would was be probably this yeah okay yeah. so like my tattoo artist he is like a movie nerd as well and his nickname in the tattoo shop is Nice Guy Eddie from Reservoir Dogs. Okay. And when I or I'm like I was getting tattooed by him one day, and then he was like, "Yeah, dude, if you haven't seen it, like, just prepare yourself for the torture scene. Like, it's pretty graphic and gruesome." And like, I'd ask my mom, who's another Tarantino nerd, and uh, she was like, "Yeah, she was like, it was hard to watch my first time." So like, I went into it like thinking it was going to be like the worst I've seen in his movies. Mm-hmm. And so I was a little underwhelmed by it. Yeah, that's fair. I think, I think a lot of his movies kind of have that one moment that's like the most shocking or like difficult to watch. I think there's usually one. Um, so yeah, but I, I don't, I don't think it particularly stands out in relation to some of the others from other films. So I agree with you. Which honestly, it would probably stand out more if that was the first Tarantino I ever watched. Yeah. But once you kind of have a catalog of like some other things that have happened or stuff you've seen for him, you're like, okay, like this seems on brand and not too jarring. Yeah, absolutely. 
Um, but I will say this might be my favorite Steve Buscemi character ever. I love Steve. Big fan. Dude, I was talking to someone at my work the other day about this. Like, there's certain actors I've like didn't know about anything else until like I started really deep diving into like classic movies about a year ago. Like Steve Buscemi, I always thought he was just the dumb guy in an Adam Sandler movie. Like, yeah, I always pictured him as the grown-ups character, not you know him as Mister. I think he's pink in that. But then probably the other most notable actor I always blank on his name, so I'm pulling it up is Joe Pesci. Yeah. Up until like Pesci's a year ago, I thought he was just the Home Alone guy. Yep. You and many <laughs> and people, I feel. Yeah. And then once you see things like Casino, you realize, oh, he's actually a damn good actor. Yeah, and I think, like, seeing him in The Irishman, like, at such an advanced age, I thought that was, like, pretty... And, I mean, and De Niro. I think it was pretty, like, emotional. Like, it's kind of, like, almost saying goodbye to those guys and, like, acknowledging, like everything that they brought to the genre and gangster films and just like how massive of a presence they each were. Um, I feel like that was like pretty emotional to watch, at least for me. See, I still haven't seen the Irishman. Okay. Definitely. It's on my list. Yeah. Yeah. I was going to say, I know I got to carve out like a big chunk of the day. So that might be a Saturday night watch. Yeah. It's a, it's a good one. Um, can I get to my getting in my six? Yeah, hit it. Sweet. Um, so my six is Pulp Fiction. Um, wow, that is a p- unpopular take. Yeah. So a few reasons. I'm, I don't want to drone about it, but a few quick things. So first of all, I feel like pacing wise, it's too long for me. I think there's portions that could have been cut out. I think if this was not as short as Reservoir Dogs, but, like, just snappier. Like, I would enjoy it more. Um, I also think, and on rewatch, I think about this more. I don't I don't love John Travolta in general. Um, and his character, like, doesn't do very much for me. I think a lot of people really enjoy him. But I don't, I don't get much from him personally. And I think if that had been a different actor, and I, I don't want to just wing someone off the top of my head, but if that had been someone different, I might enjoy it more. Because he gets a decent amount of time, um, and I don't really love his character, so I think that's one disconnect. I think I, mean, I, I don't hate the take at all. I understand it. Yeah, for me, the movie resonates a little more. Yeah. Um. But I mean, this also kind of revived John Travolta's career because he was like forgotten about. He had done a lot of shitty movies, and so yeah. I don't know if you heard this story, but Tarantino was talking about on Rogan he was like, I wrote the script and then you send in like who you want for each part. And the only thing they called back and said was they didn't want Travolta. And they were like trying to throw out other names. I know. Um, oh, who played, who's the guy who tortures the guy in a uh, reservoir dogs. Is that Michael Madsen? Yeah, I, I think so. Yeah. He was, that's who they were trying to push for to play him. Okay. Yeah. And I, I don't know. I, I like Travolta in this role. I like a lot. I like, um, the chemistry is good with Samuel. I, I do appreciate that. Um, I don't know. Something about him just, just bothers me a little bit. And again, he just gets a good amount of screen time. Um, I do. I really enjoy Ving Rhames. I love 
you know, even though it's a smaller role, I love him in this movie. I really like Bruce Willis. I think to me, um, he's the most interesting character in the movie and kind of that center piece of the, the center chunk of the movie is kind of around him. Um, spends a lot of time with him and his girlfriend. And I think he has one of the most interesting characters here. And I kind of like seeing him. Um, but I don't know. And I think, like I said, pacing wise, I don't love it. Um, I think another thing that's important when you're watching a Tarantino movie is if you connect with the bullshit, like the characters bullshitting those moments, like you have to enjoy them. And they're oh, very yeah, different. With cheese. Yeah. <laughs> they're very different. Like, in each movie. And for some reason, like those conversations here just don't really do too much for me. Like I don't find myself that hooked. So I think that's another disconnect because this, there's so much of that obviously throughout this movie. Um, and also just some of the moments like um, the, the heroin overdose kind of turned me off. Like, I just was like, this just feels like jarring. I, I don't know. Like I understand it's, you know, it's real and it's, this role and it was a moment but like it kind of turned me off and also um the scene where ving rames and bruce willis get captured by that psycho guy at the pawn shop i'm just like this is just i don't need to see this like it feels yeah, like yeah um it just feels like a lot and i understand other people might that might not bother them but to me i'm just kind of like and eh, like i don't this doesn't do it for me so um mixed feelings i definitely understand all of what you just said yeah, I think part of for me too. Like, I didn't live through it. Obviously, like I was born in '98, but like you can still see it in the movies at the times. So, like the '80s was kind of like this area that we're in almost right now. Like this era of just like political correct movies. Like you had to like every character and everything. So I think that's one thing that Reservoir Dogs and Pulp Fiction both did for the movie genre was they flipped the script and brought it back. You don't have to like everyone. But I mean, like I said before, my mom, she's a huge Tarantino nerd. Like her favorite movie of all time is Kill Bill. And okay. Love that. Um, yeah. And, but I mean, even she, she doesn't like this movie or like she just thinks it's okay. Yeah. Like it's so weird who this resonates with and who it doesn't. Like my wife, she sits down and watches a lot of movies with me if she doesn't fall asleep. And like she adores Pulp Fiction. But like she can't watch Kill Bill Volume Two. That's pretty wild. Like, so she like wh why does she feel that way? Like, yeah, particular things or a big part of it is probably she has a weird thing with eyes. So okay. the snake scene, the woman getting yeah. her other eye ripped out, stuff like that turns her away. But like, I just think it's so funny how controversial Pulp Fiction is that people can like sit through that and find enjoyment out of it. Mm -hmm. And like the dialogue and everything that happens in it, but then like they'll turn around and like Kill Bill Volume Two, which you could argue is one of his more mild movies. Yeah, like yeah. they will be turned away from. So I don't what, know. I think what? the movie's so quotable, and I love it. Yeah. I have yeah. Ezekiel twenty five seventeen tattooed on my thigh. <laughs> okay. All right. So you're a big fan. And one other quick thing, I think. I understand one of the points of the movie is moral amb like moral ambiguity looking at like basically awful people and saying like, can they be redeemed? Like, can you have a moment where you decide to be better? Like, but to me when everything happens with like Butch and Marcellus and they get cat, like 
when Butch goes back in there, like, he just tried to kill Marcellus. Like, just tried to kill him. And I don't see him going back to save his life. Like, he, he wants to get away. He just wants to get away with, like, his girlfriend and, like, have a new life. And that person that's being, like, tortured is the person who's actively trying to kill him and stop that from happening. I don't see in the course of, like, ten minutes or whatever him making that decision, like, oh, I should save his life. And I understand it works out for him, but that to me, I was just like, I don't think this character would do that based on what we've seen from him so far. So that was just kind of weird to me as well. I get that too. I mean, he could, have, I mean, obviously we're speculating a fictional character, but like he could have also had the thought process, like he knows the power and like everywhere that Marcellus like has guys, like he's international. We get it from the fair. beginning, so maybe like, and Marcellus makes the comment. He's like, "I don't care if he's in Indochina. I want someone waiting in a bowl of rice to pop a cap in his ass." Yeah. So like, he could have ran through that thought process as he's like just leaving Marcellus down there, and then like, well, maybe if I do this, so yeah, like you, even if Marcellus dies, like there will be people that are gonna like, we're still gonna find him because we knew Marcellus wanted him dead. So like, that makes sense. That that does make sense. Yeah. So I mean. Again, speculating a fictional character in like yeah. a ten minute thought process. What I love though about that like whole pawn shop scene after Butch gets upstairs is all the different references to Tarantino's other movies. Like, do you have favorites? Ooh, like picking up the katana, reference yeah. to Kill Bill, yeah. stuff like that. Uh, picking up yeah. a baseball bat, you could argue is a reference to Bastards. Yeah, and I, I honestly think like. Another just random thought I had when I watched that was maybe it also wasn't so much about saving Marcellus as it seems like his character, like Butch kind of enjoys violence and like enjoys killing a bit. And I think he kind of was like, these dudes are awful. Like, I just want to kill them. Like they deserve to die. And like, I, he wanted to do that. So that's another kind of thought I had of like, okay, maybe it makes a little more sense. Um, Cause I know the first yeah, time I watched it, I was like, this dude would be gone. Like, but I've thought about it more. So. Yeah, and he could also be thinking, too, like, if I save Marcellus, then he'll clean up this, so I won't even have to worry about getting caught from the police or anything, you know, because his guys yeah. will come to Mr. Wolf. will come. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so that's my that's my six. I, I'm not saying it's it's bad. It's, um, and I honestly, it's, it's in this spot because I respect it, and I know a lot of people like it, and I I know it has a lot of relevance, but for me, it, like, it's not one I find a need to watch often at all so that's fair i have three tattoos of tarantino movies what are the other two so i said i have ezekiel 25 17 i don't have like the whole thing i just have 25 17 okay and then i have lieutenant aldo rain's knife okay Sweet. and then i have hattori hanzo's logo from kill bill nice that's awesome man i think that's great yeah which which leads me into my number six is Kill Bill Volume 2. Okay. Thoughts? Uh, again, like I said, I love the background of her learning how to fight. Um, I always thought that was super interesting. I uh, like getting all of the side characters, uh, more story, and then I also liked the plot twist that her daughter is still alive. That yeah. her daughter lived through it. Yeah, I. It is an interesting. I know I have it really low on my list. It is an interesting movie, and I like that element of it. And just the the dynamic between the bride and Bill is so 
you could talk about that for a long time in and of itself. Um, I feel like he's just the ultimate like gaslighter, just in the way he like manipulates. Oh, absolutely. And, like it's it's a great performance. It's pretty scary, um, and like kind of the uncertainty of like the brief uncertainty of how she's going to react to this. Like she's, you know, seeing her daughter alive. Like, I think there's a moment there where you're like, is she going to actually forgive him? But obviously like the need for revenge is so deeply ingrained in her. Like she gets it, but um, I, I do like their dynamic and like that alone, those performances make it a really good movie to me, even though it's low on my list here. Yeah. One thing I absolutely hate about this movie though, is like the truth serum that he gives her at the end, like towards the end. It's a, it's a funny plot device. Like it's, yeah, it is, but it also feels like lazy writing. Yeah, for sure. Like I know Tarantino is not known for, but like, that's what it felt like to me. I, I agree with that. And then I also like seeing her kind of, I like seeing her turn though at the end when it shows like her final mission after she found out she was pregnant. How like she tries to like plead for her life. I, I love that and everything. scene. Um, with that assassin that comes, I think it's that kind of standoff Tarantino does so well, um, and the the way he writes the dialogue in those moments, I really really enjoy. Um, so I think that's that's a great moment. I really like it. Yeah. And dude, there's a whole conspiracy speculation theory online that she didn't actually kill Bill because people have like slowed down the frame rate and she didn't touch her thumb to his chest for that like finger movement. And so yeah. everyone's like, oh, he's probably still alive. And I'm like, let's let's calm down. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you're thinking a little too hard. Enjoy there. the send-off for what it is. Yeah. Yeah, I like the way it it wraps up her story. Like she's a great character. Um and I'm glad it has like a good ending for her. Like it's it's just a, a good revenge story is so satisfying. So I, I like it a lot. Yeah, absolutely. All right, kicking off your top five. Yeah. So at five, easy transition. I have Kill Bill Volume One. Um, I rewatched this a couple weeks ago. I really, really, really like this movie. Um, my top, all these movies in the top five are separated by very little for me. And again, it can fluctuate. Absolutely. Well, but, I'll chime in here real quick. My number five yeah. is also volume one. Nice. Perfect. Yeah. So I think it's a good spot for it. Um, the, like the action here is ridiculous. Like, and I love the, I love the way it's stylized. Um, I think this story obviously is very, very dark, but I think it feels more watchable because of the way it's stylized and it's, this, these movies are almost like tongue in cheek. Like they're a little ridiculous. They're a little out there. The characters are really like vibrant and um, you know, it doesn't feel so real, um, which I think makes it a little more palatable. Cause again, like I said, with Pulp Fiction, like some of that stuff felt dark for me. Like that's just my personal taste. So this I think could have felt really dark, but the way it's kind of like snappy and tongue in cheek, I really enjoy and makes me like want to watch it more. So um, I love her story. I think the performance from Uma Thurman in both, um, there's some of the best performances in any of his films by anyone. So I think Absolutely. she's awesome. Yeah. I, I just really enjoy the way it looks, the way it feels like it's really rewatchable for me. Yeah. Uh, one of the things I adore about this movie too, and like, I'm not a huge anime show fan, but like I've dove into like studio Ghibli movies and stuff, but like yeah. the, what 
like 10 15 minute section where it's just yeah. anime telling a re-ishiren story is yeah and i beautifully done i'm not a huge anime guy either but like it adds something really cool um and all, i mean all the nods to like japanese culture like throughout are are really i enjoy a lot I, they add something to the movie um and it's a lot of fun and kind of calls back to all the old samurai films um and and westerns as well but it's it's a very fun movie to me, um, even though it's oh, dark. Oh, absolutely. And then I like the, like, uniqueness of, like, all the weapons he made at the end. Like, the, I forget her name, but the girl who has, like, the ball with spikes on the, the chain that yes, she just kicks yes, around. Yeah. yeah. That's, yeah, it's, like, such a beautiful, like, way. And I he, um I think, got the inspiration from it from a 1970s Japanese film called The Flying Guillotine. Okay. Like, if you just look at the cover of it, you can see... The weapon. That's so cool. Yeah. Like the the thing, inspiration like, obviously had to come from that. Yeah, and with Tarantino, like, you see that guy in the video store, like, throughout all his movies. Like, he is that guy, and, like, he has so much love and appreciation and knowledge of all these films from, like, all over the world. And Absolutely. the way he, like, weaves that into everything is so enjoyable. Um, and I think it's, like, inspiring and, like, you know, while his movies are mainstream and a lot of people have seen them, like, he pushes you to watch other things and like check out stuff that's inspired him. So it's kind of like, he's almost like a conduit to expanding your knowledge into, you know, other genres or um, directors or whatever that you might not have seen. Yeah. I, I've definitely dove into a few movies just because I had heard him say something along the lines of like, he pulled inspiration from this movie and a lot of them are foreign films. Yeah. Yeah, and far like foreign films, that's an area, that's an area I want to get into more. Like, I feel like I haven't seen enough. Um, so, I mean, I would definitely any recommendations you have, we can definitely talk about it. Um, I'd love to get those. All right, I'll shoot you some. I'll shoot you a text. But like, life is beautiful is going to be my number one always. Yeah, the one we talked about earlier. Yeah, um, for sure. Out of all of Tarantino's movies, though, I genuinely believe Kill Bill Volume One has the hardest scene to watch, and that's when she's in the coma. And the guys have been like yeah. raping her. Yeah, that's another thing where I'm just like, this doesn't feel so necessary. Like, there's just there's moments where I'm just like, why are you doing this, Quentin? Like, I don't know, but it's, it's tough. Yeah, it's unnecessary, but like, it's kind of his directorial style is to make you uncomfortable at points in yeah. his movies. I think is like the big thing, whether it's the it torture makes it, or rape or yeah. It also makes it more satisfying when there is the payoff of those people getting killed. Like, it's just way more satisfying because you're like, these people yeah. are irredeemably awful. You hate them. And, like, it makes it better when whoever was going through whatever they were going through gets payback. Um, and I'll talk about that more in, later in my list. But I definitely like that. Yeah, absolutely. But I think that's the hardest scene in all of Tarantino movies to watch. And I like warn anyone who I watch that movie with. Yeah, and it, it feel it kind of comes out of no, like nowhere. Like it's it's it definitely is like jarring when you're watching it. I feel like um, absolutely. But yeah, she I mean, she goes through so much and like such a cool character, so strong. Like I, I really like her character a lot. Yeah. All right. Rip your number four. So at four, I have Reservoir Dogs. Um, okay. Similar to The Hateful Eight, I appreciate a contained story. Like, I like when actors are just able to... And this 
you could say I have hateful eight really low, but this does that in a concise, quick way. So like you you don't need to spend three hours, I feel like, in that situation, but when it's ninety minutes and you're just getting really good dialogue, um, you know, you come to understand at least a few of the characters and there's some really like gripping moments and also just I enjoy the story, like the whole heist gone wrong um element I think is fun. Um, and the fact that this is his first movie, like, I just find that so impressive, um, what he was able to do. Absolutely. So I have a lot of respect for it. And I think he, it's kind of in his nature to want to groan on a bit with his stories and like really make them really elaborate and, you know, kind of expand on the world. So if he, like, if he kind of reined himself in here, I appreciate that, if that makes sense. Yeah, I mean, I still enjoy the movie. Like I said, this might be my favorite Harvey Cattell role ever. And it also might be one of my favorite opening dialogue scenes in movie history. When they're in the diner. Yep. Yeah, and I think it's just, it's really efficient in how it does everything. Um, And I can see why so many people, like, I guess a lot of people do feel like that's their number one. Um, so I, I can understand that. I just, there's other s- stories. I enjoy some other films where he fleshes out more characters more. Um, I think that's something I'm kind of looking for a little more in this, in this movie. Yeah, I definitely get that. And I also think Tim Roth was great in this. Yeah. yeah he's a talented dude. Yeah. I don't know why he doesn't get more work. Maybe because he was in the incredible Hulk. <laughs> <laughs> Which I think yeah. that's also an overhated movie, but it's like it's meh. Like yeah, it's it's very mid. Like it, and it's also it's tough when you're comparing it to like superhero stuff that came after it. Like it's obviously not a fair comparison, but well, and it came out the same year as Iron Man. Like yeah. you can't compete. Top draw. Yeah. What's your uh, your four? Mine four is the Hateful Eight. Okay. I like it. I mean, I yeah, I, I like it. I love this movie. There's another one my wife didn't want to sit through either, <laughs> which I understand. Um, but I think all the characters in this are so well done, from mm-hmm. the old general that hates Samuel L. Jackson to, I mean, even Ob, the stagecoach driver. Yeah, uh, the- and I really like seeing women antagonists. Because it's so rare. And, yeah. and when it is, it's like, it's also rare that it's like v- a very well done role. Yeah, a lot of times they're like poorly written or just like they're not given the same like attention and depth as like male villains. And that's a well, problem. That, so I, definitely... I feel like writers are also scared to make them go as far as they will make a male antagonist go. But like, yeah. I think. She, She's up there for like one of the better female antagonists, but I think the best hands down is got to be from Gone Girl. Yeah. Have you seen that movie yet? Crazy. Oh, so good. But yeah, hatefully, I just love, and I love the one setting scene with like just flashbacks to different areas and also just the surprise twist of Channing Tatum being in it. Yeah. Yeah. Some people didn't like that and they were like, oh, this doesn't fit, but like, I thought it was a lot of fun. Like I, I enjoyed that. And I mean, all the action towards the end is really cool, but I, I liked it. I like that. I also think it's fun. I like Channing Tatum as an actor. Cause like he, he has some 
acting chops. He just usually does comedy roles and he's trying to get away and like do some drama pieces to prove it. It's so tough, man, getting typecast. Like, I mean, that happened to Jonah Hill for so long. I mean, Jonah Hill's a weird, oh, weird yeah. but like in terms of just talking acting, he was so typecast and I think struggled to get away from that. Um, but has dramatic chops. Also, I mean, did you see um, Foxcatcher with Channing Tatum? I did not. If you, ha- it's it's a really interesting movie. It's a true story. Steve Carell is in it. It's it's actually about a high school um, wrestling coach that was, is by me um, in Pennsylvania, and Channing Tatum plays a wrestler on the team. And like awful stuff happened with this like that entire situation. I don't want to get too much into it, but it's really dramatic, really intense. Like it's called Foxcatcher. So it's a good watch. And Tatum is like really really good in the dramatic role. So I, I like that a lot. I'm gonna have to throw it on my watch list. Yeah. Um, also, uh, quickly, really quick on female antagonists. I feel like some other greats are um, Kathy Bates in Misery, and also um, I'm gonna forget the actress's name, but in uh, Cuckoo's Nest, Nurse Ratchet is like so awful. Oh, absolutely! The great character. Cuckoo's Nest is so good. I adored that movie, and Jack Nicholson. I. I think could be the best actor of all time right now, but currently I have him in my two. Who's your, wait? Is who's your one? Daniel Day Lewis. Okay, yeah, it's fair. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah I would love, Bale. Having a the conversation about Daniel Day Lewis would be great too. He's I, I think I've seen most of what he's done. Um, I, I'm a huge, massive fan. See, I'm still missing a few big pieces for him. Like, I haven't seen Lincoln, The Last of the Mohicans. Uh, And then what's the most recent one that made him quit? Uh, Phantom Thread. Yeah. It's good. It's really good. I like it. Um, Yeah, so I I still have some Lewis to dive into. But, I mean, what I've seen, dude, he's so damn good. Yeah. Yeah, he's great. Um, That's a really good number one. I have to give that a try, like, ranking out my actors. Um, I'll give that a shot. Um, I'm pretty sure I only have like my five, so (laughs) don't feel bad. (laughs) More than me. What baffles me is the creators that have like their top 100 movies of all time. I'm like, that's that's a lot of work. It's tough, yeah. And like, even like we're talking about here, like that changes for me so often. I don't know if that's just like a me thing or or what. But like, even this, it's tough. It's tough. All right, what we got for your number three? Taking off the top three. So at three, um, I have Jackie Brown. I Wow. Yeah. So <laughs> now, I, now I understand your reaction from where I put yeah, it. Yeah, I was shook. I was shook. Um, <laughs> a lot of reasons. So one, I like the way this movie looks a lot. Like I like when this comes on, like I always know instantly it's a very like vibrant, very colorful. I really enjoy that. Um the cast is ridiculous, like across the board. Um, even like Michael Keaton as the detective, like that's he's very like he's an enjoyable character. He's kind of a straight man. Um, and I think Pam Greer is just really, really good. And to me, um, Samuel L. Jackson here, this is his be- best character for me personally. Like, I feel like he's really, really iconic. He's so awful. In all Tarantino um, or of all times? In Tarantino. In Tarantino. Okay. Um, I like it a lot, and like I know we went back and forth a bit on De Niro, but I, I like his inclusion here, um, and I just I think it's cool seeing Tarantino 
do a great story with a female lead that's like dominating the the runtime. I mean, basically dominating the runtime. Um, it is long, and I think a lot of people can find the story to be slow in points. But I also like that it's different. Um, and I think a lot of people kind of had expectations. I believe this was after Pulp Fiction. I think people kind of expected a movie in a similar vein, and it kind of subverts that and goes in a different direction and, you know, takes a chance to be slower, more introspective, more character development. Um, and those are all things I really appreciate in a story. Plus, like, I, I feel like the story itself is really, like, I like the way it weaves. I feel like there's a lot of layers to it. I like how it unfolds. Um, I think it's a really, really good movie. Um, I, I really like it. So that's my, that's my three. Yeah, it's one I definitely have to give a rewatch. And you were right. It came out three years after Pulp Fiction. This was uh, yeah. in between Pulp and Kill Bill. Yeah, which is just like, to me, that's, it's a very interesting time for him. Like, that's a great run of movies. Um, but I think sometimes movies struggle when there are expectations and then they don't match what people are expecting to see. Um I think there's a long list of movies that have done that, but I think this kind of dealt with that, but it's still really, really good to me. Yeah. And I agree with exactly what you said. Like, I love the colors and like the cinematography of this movie. That's one yeah. thing Tarantino has done well in every movie. Absolutely. Yeah. So, all right. After that conversation, I'll probably have to rewatch that very soon. Yeah. <laughs> Cause I know I'm in the unpopular opinion of ranking it. And I'm my number 10. Yeah, I think, I also think a lot of people like haven't even I think a lot of people haven't even watched it really. Like I just think it, it gets kind of like forgotten. It's, um it's definitely swept under the rug a lot yeah. for a Tarantino movie. Yeah. For sure. He he even said that he thinks it's better than Pulp Fiction. Yeah. I agree like, with him. He's he said like Reservoir Dogs did good. He said he got very popular off Pulp Fiction, but he thought he should have got popular off Jackie Brown if he were to off any movie. He's a smart man. <laughs> all right my three is Django unchained okay well let's talk about it what are your and thoughts like my, i could i can understand the argument completely if someone has this as their number one mm-hmm. my one through three i can see interchanged for a number one but one this should have been what leo got his oscar for not the revenant okay fair like i think him like messing up his entire hand, but still just acting through it and screaming was phenomenal. Um, I think Jamie Foxx, this is probably his best role. Like, ever. Yes. Not yes. in a Tarantino movie, I think, ever. Yeah. Uh, Christoph Waltz is fantastic in both his roles. He's also, he, I think, if I remember this correctly, uh, he was the first actor in a Tarantino movie to win an Oscar, and it was for Inglorious Bastards. But he also won one for Django. That's honestly wild that that's the first, given the great performances. But yeah, he's he's incredible. Um, he brings so much to a- anything he's in. I really really enjoy him. Can I ask, like, when you were making this, what elements of it like drop it behind your top two? Like, is there anything that stands out to you in terms of negative components? I think the other two, I just personally rewatch more and I enjoy the rewatches more. Okay. That's really all it is. I mean, I think they're all three on the same playing field as far as scripts, 
cinematography and everything. You're going to disagree is one of the takes. Um, but, and then dude, like, I just, this one might be one of my favorite scripts of all time. Like just the entire scene where they're at the cotton field and he's like, are you positive? He's like, I don't know. He's like, you're not positive. <laughs> he's like, I don't know. What positive so, means so happy. So good. Yeah. And just learn or like watching Django himself, like go through all of these, you know, motions to learn, you know, cause all he's known his entire life is slavery. Yeah. And then also, it's just such a controversial time for Tarantino to make a slavery movie. Yeah. And, like, he just put a different twist on it. Like, everyone else would just make it more about slave owners back then or, like, how slaves were treated and, like, the Underground Railroad or something. Instead, Tarantino made his slave a bounty hunter. Yeah. Yeah, just, I mean, we already know how awful everything was that everyone went through and they show you snippets of that, but just getting to focus on the revenge aspect of it and just these people getting everything they deserve is like so brilliant. And it's so satisfying to me. Um, I'll talk about it more um, a bit later, yeah. but I, I really enjoy it. It's got some of the most quotable lines in movie history for me, you know, like I can't see fucking shit out of this. <laughs> <laughs> like, or like yeah. anytime, like the other day, like I'm a bartender right now and someone one of the guys that i made the drink for who i really like he made some comment like getting snippy with me and i was like i work all day out here and all here is criticize criticize <laughs> criticize like, Did he the catch movie is so quotable oh yeah he's a huge movie nerd too we talk to him every time he's at my bar because i work at a country club so i don't get like random guys i have like a regular clientele that i see nice nice that's good, especially like when you can talk movies with those people. Like it's it's fun to have that back and forth. Oh, absolutely! He's checked out a few of the episodes, so like he might listen to us talk about this. <laughs> nice. Well, shout out to him for catching that catching that reference. Exactly. All right, your um, number two. Yeah. So at number two, almost a coin flip. Um, I have Inglorious Bastards. There is nothing I don't like about this movie. Um, I think it's so tough. Like I, I try to, I try to find some, something negative to talk about when I'm looking at a movie. Like I try to, even if I like it, I try to find something to comment on that I think could be better. Um, I can't really find it. Like these characters are just so fun to me. Um, and that's what this movie is. Like it is fun. It's enjoyable. You can watch it over and over and over again. Um, and it just Absolutely. seems like, I, yeah, it, Everyone involved. Seems I like genuinely think it has the best opening. I think it is the best opening out of any movie ever. Yeah, and like this, this movie could have felt too long. I think like it could have felt like it dragged. But even in the moments that are taking a long time, that they're taking their time with in terms of the back and forth, um, where there could be lulls in the script, like it's effective because of how good the performances are. And a lot of that falls on Christoph Waltz. Um, another one of my favorite scenes is in the um, the bar in the basement when they're undercover with all the German officers. That is brilliant. I, I love Michael Fassbender. Um, <laughs> Say out beaters and to your Nazi balls. Yeah, I mean, Hugo Stiglitz, like, it's, it's so good. Um, and like you said, the opening... Um, it's so hard to watch and the way that develops all the little moments with the milk and the pipe and just like 
all the little power plays that go on. Um, and you can do you know about know, all the little details in the beginning too. No, I love, I love the daughters. So he's obviously looking for Jews, like, you know, yeah. enemies of the state. If you go back and rewatch the opening scene and there's small details throughout the entire movie, you can pick up on like when he makes Shoshana try and eat the like whipped cream. But like in the beginning scene, when he meets all the daughters and he like grabs their hand to shake it, he puts his fingers on their wrist to feel their pulse to see if they're nervous. That's that's honestly crazy. I never realized that. And like, even, yeah, like someone had to point it out to me. Yeah. And like the way he. Like the way his character is written, he's always trying to have the upper hand like he's always trying to be in control always kind of exerting like power over everyone else like the way he like grabs people um the way he changes like his tone of voice like the way he changes his face to just like play with people's emotions like that performance is crazy um i think he's one of the great great villains of all time um and then the tension building in the beginning too and like why i love tarantino's tension shots is just how close to the camera gets every time like this conversation goes on until yeah. finally he says, you're sheltering enemies of the state, aren't you? Yeah, and it's a sh- I, I don't know the name of the actor that plays the father there, but, like, he's bro- Like, that's brilliant. Like, that's incredible. Um, as he's just kind of, like, and you, you really put yourself in his shoes. Like, he's trying to keep his composure, um, you know, trying not to break under this, like, insane pressure. But the whole time it's just, like, completely useless because the outcome has already been determined. Um, it's a it's a great scene. Yeah, he his name I'm gonna butcher it, but it's Denis Menoche Menoa, uh, however you say it in French. But okay. I, yeah, it looks like he's really only been in like French films, but then he's in Inglorious Bastards, The French Dispatch, and then Bo is Afraid are, are his three biggest. Okay, yeah, I I, I like that performance a lot, um, even though it's small. Oh, he crossed um, it, and just er- every side character like. BJ Novak being in this is really funny to me. Um, uh, Dami Domowitz, like the the bear Jew, he's just like so much energy, such a big personality. Um, you know that was originally supposed to be Adam Sandler? I did not know that. Are you serious? I don't think I would have liked this movie as much if it was, but yeah, it was originally supposed to be Sandler. I think Sandler was working on Jack and Jill. Oh my God. He did not I make th- the right choice there. That's a oh, shame. Not at all. But I mean, dude, like... I don't know if it would have landed as well for me. I think having a just a face that's that big and a, a name that that's big can sometimes be jarring with smaller character, like smaller roles, because you're just like focused on that rather than the actual character or what's happening. So I agree with you. Um, but yeah, I, I love this movie so much, and I'll never get tired of watching it, like ever. You know, it was only made because of Christoph Waltz. Did not know that in terms of yeah. his casting or financial. Yeah, or because for the colonel role, Tarantino wanted someone who could speak, I think, three languages, and Christoph Waltz is fluent in, I believe, five. Wow. But he needed someone to speak German.